Hi, I'm Matt. I'm Rachel. And welcome to The Tim's Take, episode 73. We were both talking about, we're both a little tired tonight. But the show must go on. I didn't realize we were too tired for our relationship, but... Never too tired for our relationship, (laughs) Rachel. That is true, as documented by the many times in which I bring up relationship issues right as you close your book and get ready to turn off your light at night. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yes, it makes zero sense. It makes sense. It's the time we're ready to be together. We're right next to each other. No, you know it doesn't make sense. (laughs) Don't try to to whip that up. I know it doesn't make sense for you. Well... Anyway, this isn't a marriage podcast. This is a podcast about well, parenting. <laughs> True. Shall we dive into our topic? How is that for energizing banter at the top of the episode? <laughs> All right. I put this topic on our list a while ago. And I don't know, can't remember where I first encountered the idea or heard the term, but I think it's interesting and I wanted to talk with you about it. And that is this idea of the default parent. And I think that's kind of talked about in a couple of ways. There's one way in which it is simply naming an arrangement within your household. So one parent is works part-time or stays at home, and so they are the default parent in the sense of... Majority of the time. Majority of the time, they are shuttling kids to and fro places, organizing lunches, and those kinds of things. But... I I don't find that version of it very interesting because that's just everyone arranges their lives differently based on what they have to do. What I do find more interesting is that if you Google default parent, there's lots of conversations about how do you reduce the workload of being a default parent? How do you get your partner to help when you're the default? How do you avoid default parent resentment? So in other words, I think there's a way in which sometimes an arrangement within a family then bleeds over into time when you could be all together and someone continues to sort of take on the parenting in a space. So obviously in our lives, you have a default parent in the first sense of what I was talking about. Like we just set it up so that you do spend more time with Oliver on a day-to-day basis. But I was really curious to pick your brain about whether you feel like you're a default parent at other times. No wrong answers. I'm curious about your experience with this <laughs> yeah. and what you think I'm about I'm curious it. if you feel like you are at times, but I can go first. Yeah. I think there have definitely been seasons in our parenting journey in which I have felt like the default parent. Oh. I think mm-hmm. probably more so when Oliver was younger, Yep. which partly was like necessity like I was breastfeeding so there was just some stuff that only I could do but then I think like that was a harder transition to get out of like once I stopped doing that then it still it kind of felt like I was often like the one doing more of the stuff with him and maybe that's just because I am home with him more so like I'm used to his routine so I just would kind of like go into a mode or whatever or I don't know if you felt like you didn't know what to do. And so then I just filled in those gaps. I'm not sure exactly why it happened. I feel a little bit less of that now because he's older and a bit more independent. I feel like we kind of have our things that we are defaulted to do as parents. Mm. Like if you're home and Oliver needs a diaper change, 
you're often defaulted to be the diaper changer. Yeah, that's very true. And often, like, I'm defaulted to get his food most of the time for, like, meals. So I don't find a whole lot of resentment in the things that have just become kind of, like, routine and habit for us. Yeah, I can say more, but I want to hear what you, what your experience has been. Well, yeah, one of my questions is when, what season did you feel like? So early infancy, you felt like the default parent. That's super interesting. Like, when did that transition to more what you feel now, would you say? Almost like when he could talk. Like, so kind of recently, Hmm. I feel like his ability to express his own needs has allowed you to, like, know what he wants or needs. And then it's easier to step in where I think maybe before he could talk because I was with him more. Maybe I just, like, could into it a little bit more of, like, what he needed. And so then I was the one doing a lot of that. I would particularly notice it, too, when we, like, go somewhere Like, if we go take Oliver to your parents or we go to a friend's house, often, like, I feel in the past more so, but that I am usually the one to do all the things, like, to make sure he has his plate and his food and he puts on his shoes and, you know, all that stuff. I feel less so in our own home that I end up being the default parent. Yeah. So, I don't know. Do you you feel like... There are times in which you've been the default parent. Do you feel like more that you feel that I am? And what does that bring up in you? Or After six months, I would say I have been the default parent between the hours of 10 p.m. and 7 a.m. <laughs> I'm the nighttime default parent. Yeah, that's right. Which true. is totally fine. After six months of his age. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like once he was sleeping in his own room, if he wakes up in the middle of the night. I'm usually the one who goes and gets him. But that Yes, that's very true. But even that is more a function again of I think almost family arrangement. Like I wake up a little bit easier and I probably fall asleep easier than you. So it's it's no big deal. <laughs> I haven't thought of that. Yeah, you um, are the default parent at night. <laughs> it's interesting. Like I probably felt less, I think, like you were the default parent in infancy. And I don't know, that might be some fatherly pride that I felt like I was pretty present and was like did quite a bit initially, which not really, but in the scope of the possible things that dads do, I felt like I was pretty engaged. But I I noted it down because I definitely feel like at times I approach you as a default parent. And I do think that is changing. I think you're right now that he's talking more because then he can just tell anyone what he wants. But definitely sort of probably like once he was walking until like in that range, there were definitely times where I was like, oh, like I'm just kind of assuming Rachel will do things. And it wasn't every day and it wasn't all the time. But yeah, often being out and yeah, I mean, I definitely I think I felt guilty Mm. for that is how it made me feel when I noticed it. Appreciative because you I mean the vast majority of the time you never expressed any resentment over you know helping take the lead on some of those things and then there's also a part of me that wonders like if like the whole framing of the idea of the default parent is just unhelpful too (laughs) like yeah because it kind of raises the question of well what's the other person then and i think there's a way in which 
the default parent conversation can kind of denigrate different modes of parenting and recognize that different people do are going to naturally parent in different modes and be kind of more effective in different ways and at different ages and things like that. But I've thrown a lot out there. So let me just pause there and get your reaction to my reaction. Yeah. Does it resonate with you? Yeah, I think I think it particularly and you've mentioned this before, like you've kind of said, I do not know how you engage in social situations and parent at the same time. Yeah. Like that is seems to be particularly hard for you for or a challenge for you for whatever reason, personality or just I mean it is challenging for sure and I think yeah, I've I can just do that a little bit easier. I'm not saying it's ideal <laughs> to have like broken up conversations and yeah, all these I al- things. I almost just can't do it. And yeah, and I don't know how much culturally if that's like mom expectation like that it's acceptable for moms to like have this kind of like not 100 percent attention in Hmm, conversation that's interesting yeah for better for worse and probably for worse but i wonder if that just feels more acceptable so it feels harder for you to like do that so i do think like in going out places that's probably been the times i felt it the most and yeah like at church is a hard space because you're technically working but it's also our community space yeah and but i am 100 percent the default parent on sunday morning yeah like you say hi to him but then you don't really like there's not space for you to take a different role so I think, yeah, that's kind of interesting. But again, I think we've kind of agreed upon that and had communication enough that I don't feel resentment about that. Like that is just our situation. Yeah. So I feel like the default parent in like its negative term is really like, yeah, when it's like unhealthy, when there's resentment about like, oh, like I'm having to do this all the time and you're not stepping up. I can't even think of like exact moments, but I can remember like the feeling of just like being frustrated that I had to ask you to do something instead of you just like realizing that Oliver needed something. Or again, I think that goes back to like before he could talk because it had to be me who noticed he needed something and then be like, Matt, can you do this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas like now Oliver just tells you if he wants or needs something. Yeah, but sometimes still I don't pay attention if <laughs> yes. I'm being honest. <laughs> Yes, that is true. But and I think I mean, I think overall, yeah, it is more a conversation about your family dynamics. And if you've had open communication about like what works and who does what, then I think there is a way to like, yeah, we both default in certain things Mm -hmm. and in certain situations. I think that's just like a survival tactic with having a kid. But for the most part, we've avoided like massive resentment because we've kind of communicated about those things. And every once in a while it comes up like the other week I (laughs) went to like change Oliver's diaper or something while you were here or I like asked you if you could do it and you were like, I always do it if I'm here. And then you like took over and I was like, okay. (laughs) So I'm not saying I just like I could tell that was one of those times where it was like, okay, yeah, we do have this kind of spoken but kind of unspoken thing. And there are times where it does kind of, you know, rub that you are the default, even if it's mostly agreed upon. Hmm. I do think, like, I both understand what the term and the idea is trying to communicate. And there's a part of me that also is, like, to kind of circle back to what I was saying earlier, like, it's not helpful. It seems like the framework of much of the conversation around default parenting is like the ideal would be to not have a default parent. Right. Like you would just have perfect co-parenting. 
But I'm like, I don't even understand what that means. Because it is, it's different for everyone. Yeah. And like a co-parenting situation where like we had a tally on the wall of diapers changed or bedtimes done or plates arranged. Like, obviously, you look at that on his face and you just think, well, that's nonsense. And so really, like, I think there is a way in which it can become like, yeah, it, it sort of feels suddenly like you cannot have different modes of parenting. Like, okay, this person like does is better at creative play. So they're going to do that when they're around. And this person is going to, yeah, prep meals and things like that. Like even tonight, we had a moment where you're kind of playing with him and I was doing dishes. And then I'm like, knowing we're going to talk about this, said to you, should I not be doing dishes? Should I be like playing with you instead? And you're like, no, like it's fine. I hadn't thought about it. Partly because I was contributing and not just sitting watching TV. So anyway, what do you, I mean, what do you think? Is is it a helpful idea? Is it a helpful term in the first place? Mm, I don't know if it's a helpful term because I think it's usually said out of like bitterness, which comes out of communication that hasn't happened. Because mm. I think, yeah, there are scenarios in which like, I've had a really long day and now you're doing dishes and I just need you to be with Oliver. And I'm like frustrated in that moment that like, even though you're doing dishes, I'm like, can you just play with him? Yeah. But like, I need to be able to express that to you yeah. and you need to be able to receive that, which I get like, we're definitely not perfect at that, but in an ideal world, like we're having that communication. And so then it's fine. Like even you checking in was really nice. Cause it's like, oh yeah, I, I really, I was fine playing with him tonight. And for you to get dishes done was great. But there there are nights where that would have been, like, too much. Yeah. And so it really is just kind of a constant communicating of needs and listening of, like, listening to someone's day and, like, kind of trying to figure out, you know, where they're at. But yeah. that's hard to do. I mean, that's hard to do. For sure. Without kids, with just as people. I think, like, part of the conversation probably also flows from, like, in our life, you are grateful. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think you're grateful <laughs> for like the way our life is arranged. Like, yeah, right. Uh, we it's very mutually, yeah, endorsed. Yeah, right. You're, yeah, you love spending time with Oliver. You love being able to work part time. You love being able to work from home. Like, so there's just lots that's going for it. I wonder if sometimes the conversation flows from like the necessity of having to parent a child but also having aspirations to other things. I wonder if in relational dynamics where someone's really had to actually take what a step a back sacrifice. that they didn't yeah. necessarily fully want to, that this comes up even more. Definitely. Um, because, yeah, you can, I mean, I don't know how you don't have seeds of resentment even in a perfectly loving relationship when you're navigating some of those things, right? Yeah. So I wonder if that that's a place too where the, the category more naturally flows but because recognize i recognize it like where one of the one of the gifts of our life and our relationship is our life is mostly compatible with kind of who we are and what we'd hope for individually yeah yeah it helps make all of it a little bit easier but different seasons bring different things and yeah it's just good to reflect upon and we'll leave aside the whole fact that Oliver sometimes seems to want a default parent. That's a whole different conversation. <laughs> oh, no, which we've had. <laughs> no, mama. Mama, I want mama. You want mama? Should I give you some space? 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mama. Okay, Oliver. Shall we do some other stuff? Yeah. Do you have anything? I have one thing. Okay. That is Google Chromecast with Google TV. We have used Chromecast dongle plugins to our TV for a long time. It's very easy to take things on our phone and put it on the TV. That's great technology. We had an issue where one thing that we were trying to cast wasn't working, which caused me to look at other options. And so we upgraded our Chromecast and we got the specifically the Chromecast with Google TV. And what I love about this is that you, we have logged into all our various streaming providers and from the remote, I can voice search all of it and it brings it up instantly. And there's no more clicking through 20 menus there's no more having to, with my remote, type in in the search bar of Disney Plus the show I'm looking for. I can just say it into the mic, and then I go watch it. And it's just felt revolutionary. It feels it, like what technology magical. is supposed to do. Yeah, it's pretty magical. So there's my plug. Not endorsed by Google for that. but And I'm sure we're giving them all kinds of data about ourselves, but I'll trade it. I'll trade it for this kind of ease. <laughs> How about you? Do you have any other stuff? Yeah, I have a beef. Oh, okay. Which I don't know if that's what we're calling it. Is it with me it. about default parenting? <laughs> no, it is with the category of meal called lunch. Oh, yeah. You're having a hard time with lunch. I'm having such a hard time for, with lunch. Guys, I just don't I just don't know what to eat for lunch. And I don't <laughs> like I've eaten lunch for 31 years. And <laughs> why I am so stuck now, I do not understand. I like am at home. So like I should have like endless options at my fingertips because I eat lunch at home almost every day. But I just, and maybe it's too much. Like when I went to work, I just had to pack my lunch and then I had to eat what I brought because that was what I brought. But we haven't been cooking a ton recently and having lots of leftovers. So that's part of the problem is I used to eat leftovers from our meals and that was great. Without leftovers, I'm a vegetarian. So I just like lunch meats aren't like as simple and I know there's so many options. I've never been a frozen meal person, which maybe I should become one. But I just feel so stuck. And I just like get so angry every time lunch comes around because I just don't know what to eat. So if anyone has any suggestions. Yeah, I don't I, I don't know how to help you with this. So we need listeners. Just tell us what you eat for lunch. I just really, I am so stuck and frustrated. It's it's so ridiculous, but I am. It's like my biggest pet peeve right now is lunch. <laughs> Congratulations. You have listened to the part where we make the most sincere and heartfelt ask of you that we've ever asked on this podcast. Please give me other, lunch ideas. Other than supporting the greenhouse in that episode, please give Rachel some lunch ideas. Timsteak at gmail.com. It's rough. Anyway. It's good to crowdsource this, Rach. Yep. I don't understand this problem at all, but I hear you and I see you and I'm just going to pass the buck to our listeners. I really hope they come through. Me too. All right. Till next time. I'm Matt. I'm Rachel. And that is your gym steak.